In the name of Jesus, amen. I've always been fascinated by the concept of the time machine. Whether it's the cardboard box from Calvin and Hobbes, the DeLorean from Back to the Future, or as one current film portrays it, a hot tub, the idea of traveling to any point in time, past or future, appeals to me. What if I could go back and fix some of the mistakes that I've made? What if I could go back and visit again with someone whom I've lost? What if I could go into the future just a couple of weeks and see what my placement will be on call day? What if I could go from there and and visit different points in my ministry to see how different things will turn out, to see the pitfalls that I should avoid? What if I could go and talk to myself as I near death and see how my whole life has turned out? Well, as I was reading our text for this morning, I found myself looking for the nearest time machine. But I have to admit, this time it wasn't for the most pious of reasons. Sure, it would be great to go back and talk to the people of Corinth and see and hear what their struggles were. That might help with some of the issues of interpretation of the letter. But no, I wanted to hop into a time machine so that I could go help Paul keep it on. What do you mean some of you don't believe in the resurrection of the dead? Weren't you listening at all when Paul was here? That's practically all he talked about. It's so obvious. How could you not get it? So I have to confess a little bit of 21st century hubris and pride this morning. But come on, weren't you feeling it just a bit as well? Weren't you wondering if Paul's argument for this morning had anything to say to us at all? I mean, the problem that Paul was addressing was that there were some in Corinth who said that resurrection is something that does not happen ever. It has not happened, it will not happen, and it certainly wouldn't happen for them. Do we have that problem? After all, we're here at Concordia Seminary. We know a thing or two about resurrection. I can shout, Christ is risen! He is risen indeed. Alleluia! And you know the liturgically correct response, even in the middle of a sermon. But it's not only the correct response, is it? If it were just that, maybe some of us wouldn't join in. But it's the response that Paul taught, the response that we confess and believe. God sent resurrection itself in a time machine from the end of time, back however many millennia, to land and come to Jesus as he lay in the tomb. Now, if that sounds like a little bit too ridiculous of an image or description for what happened at Easter, consider how ridiculous the idea of Jesus' resurrection sounded in in Paul's day. After all, very few Gentiles, very few Greeks, believed in any sort of bodily resurrection at all. Even the Jews, who believed in it a bit more, said it only happened at the end of time. True resurrection. It was unthinkable that anyone would rise from the dead here in time and then never die again. But that's what Paul taught. That's what we confess. A resurrection time machine. 
But does that answer our question? Even with this resurrection time machine for Jesus, what is there in our text for us? For us who already know, believe, and confess that Jesus the Messiah is risen from the dead. Now certainly we can never hear that good news preached often enough. There's no too much of a good thing here. But is the fact of the resurrection an issue for us today? Perhaps it is. Paul says in verse 17, If Christ is not risen, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. For Paul, there are two categories, two places that people exist. Either you are in your sins or you are in Christ. And if Christ is still dead, then there's really no meaningful, positive way anyone could be said to be in him at all. So that even those who profess to believe in Christ are still really in their sins and they have no hope. But Paul says he is writing to people who are in Christ. They are the church of God in Corinth. They are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called saints. And so for Paul, the facts of the case are clear. Christ is risen. You are in Christ, and therefore you are no longer in your sins. And this change of places has happened through death. Christ's and yours. First comes death. You can't truly have resurrection until you have death. You died to sin with Christ, and you now live in him. But what if we don't live like it? What if we sometimes live, even for just a moment, as if we are still in our sins? Paul says, if Christ is not risen, then you are still in your sins. And we can't flip those around and say that if you are still in your sins, then Christ is not risen. Christ's resurrection is not dependent on our first getting out of our sins. We praise God for that. But can we flip them around? If we stop talking about fact and being, start talking about action and living. Is it true that if we live like we are still in our sins, even at just one moment, then at that moment, we are living as if Christ is not risen? In those moments, do we want resurrection? without death? Do we want Christ, but want to hold on to sin as well? That's what Paul saw in Corinth. The believers there were not willing to die, not willing to embrace Jesus and him crucified as the foolish, the weak gospel that leads to resurrection. Their lack of love, their disorderly worship, their strife and contention with one another, the use of their so-called rights at the expense of the weaker brother, the misuse of their bodies and sexual immorality. All of these issues showed Paul that the Corinthians did not understand fully what it meant that Christ was crucified and is now risen. 
that they too would rise one day and that even now, in the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ and in their baptism, both death and resurrection life had come to them as if in a time machine. You see, the whole goal of chapter 15, the goal of the great resurrection chapter, is Paul's exhortation to walk in new life even now. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. So this was the question that I could not shake from my head as I read this text over and over, as I thought about this text over and over. Are there times when I still live as if I am still in my sins? Are there times when I still live as if Christ is not risen? And I racked my brain and I searched the Word of God and the accusations kept pouring in. Have you acted as if you had another God? Have you neglected God's Word among your studies and the busyness of life? Are you covetous of that cushy call? Or are you placing money, housing, location, or anything else above the chance to serve God wherever he might call you? Are you talking about your brother in Christ behind his or her back? Are you playing favorites with students? Are you mocking them? Are you cruel to them? We could run through each of the Ten Commandments and we know the facts of the case are clear. Even though we are in Christ, we sometimes live as if we are still in our sins. We sometimes live as if Christ is not risen. So brothers and sisters in Christ, it's time to die and rise again. It's time for Jesus to come racing at us from the past and from the future in a time machine. It's time to remember your baptism. Now, we say that phrase so often that it becomes cliché, but it is, in fact, the answer to our questions, the answer to our sins that still haunt us. Remember your baptism. Remember that baptism itself is a resurrection time machine. And it doesn't work in a cardboard box or a DeLorean or a hot tub. No, the mechanism for this time machine is death. But that's exactly what happened. In baptism, you died with Christ. But you didn't stay dead. You rose with him too. In baptism, you died to sin and self. But you didn't stay dead. You rose to live to God in Christ. How can you still live in sin through the resurrection time machine God has brought you from the death of sin to new life in Jesus Christ? In baptism, God has sent to us even now the new life, the resurrection life, the life of the age to come. And we still have the promise of bodily resurrection at the end to look forward to. 
And so, we live in the tension. God has sent death and resurrection life from the future, through time, in the time machine of baptism. But he hasn't yet fully destroyed sin and death in our mortal bodies. God has sent us his spirit to produce the fruits of faith and good works. But our lives sometimes manifest neither. We still live here in this present age of sin, even as we live in the age to come that God has already sent to us. And so we serve God wherever he may call us. We gladly hear and learn his word. We rejoice with those who rejoice, and we mourn with those who mourn. We build up our brothers and sisters in Christ, encouraging one another in the Lord, and we approach our neighbor in love and service. But even when, even in those moments when we are living more according to the pattern of this age than of the age to come, we need not lose hope. We do not have hope in Christ in this life only. Christ is the first fruits. There are more to come. Those to whom God has already sent death and resurrection life through the time machine of baptism. So we don't need a cardboard box or a DeLorean or a hot tub time machine. We've got baptism. We know how life will turn out. First death, but then full-fledged resurrection life forever in the glory of the Father. For, as it is, Christ is risen. Hallelujah. Amen.